a tournament unlike any other. We're headed to Myrtle Beach with friends from the 54 Problems podcast to talk about the USPMGA Masters on the podcast. Cheers. I'm Tom. I go by Mr. T, and I've been playing competitive mini golf for a little over two years after competing on Holy Moly with my co-host, Pat. Played in the Masters last year and headed back to Myrtle Beach for this year's event. Find all the mini golf designs, reviews, and more for myself and the Pink Putter at acoupleofputts.com and on social media at Couple Putts. Find our course and hole design work at minigolfdesigners.com and our merch at minigolfgoods.com. And I'm Pat, co-founder of the mini golf website and social media conglomerate, The Putting Penguin. This past weekend, I actually got to meet somebody who was Joe Tessitore's neighbor, making a lovely holy moly connection. We decided that Joe, like Keanu Reeves, never actually ages. You can find all of our penguin fun by looking for The Putting Penguin on all of the socials. And while you're out there scrolling, don't forget to follow the podcast mini accounts as well. Finally, since you're clearly in love with our podcast, make sure you're liking, subscribing, and giving us a great review wherever you choose to listen to podcasts. And while it might come up in our conversation, we want to give you a reminder that this is the official podcast of the American Mini Golf Alliance, the AMA. We're helping bring together people passionate about the game of mini golf in all its forms in the U.S. You can become a member for free at amaminigolf.com. And if you get in your membership soon, we'll send out a card. Otherwise, You'll still become a member because it's free. You can find updated national rankings, merch, and more. We're going to dedicate an episode to the final season rankings later, but we're not going to be discussing that in this podcast specifically. And let's give a quick shout out to some sponsors. Walkabout Mini Golf. We are giving away a Oculus headset courtesy of Walkabout Mini Golf to the American Mini Golf Alliance Season 1 winner. You'll hear more about that. And they have announced a new upcoming course called 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Yes, it's based on the Jules Verne novel, and it's going to be awesome because Walkabout is the best VR mini golf game out there. If you got a phone, you can play one-shot golf for free three times a day or even spend a little bit of money and try to win some prizes. You control robots on your phone in the U.S. and Canada and on iOS and Android. We're both fans, and we play daily and they're sponsoring our AMA tournaments with prizes for the person who gets the most hole-in-one. So we love one-shot golf as well, and hope you're checking them out. And you can putt when ready. And in a coming up episode, we will be covering our recaps of the remainder of the AMA tournaments that were held in September, as well as the PPA National Championships that was held in mid-September. A little bit of preview on that because we do want to call out and congratulate Joey Graybill, who won the national championships and adds that to the trifecta now of the PPA national championships, the U.S. Open, and the Masters. So congrats to Joey, and we'll do a little bit of deep dive on that and a bunch of other tournaments in our next episode. Hats off to you, Joey. That is impressive. And our last sponsor is the Putt 18 Mat, which is an interactive and popular putting mat game that's played worldwide. You can improve your putting skills, and it makes practicing and improving much more fun, especially when it's a rainy day or cold northern New England or Minnesota day out. Really addictive. There are international seasons that happen all throughout the year. You can find more information on that on Facebook. But more importantly, if you don't have a mat yet, you can Pick up a mat using the discount code PUTT18-10, and that's P-U-T-T, the number one, the number eight, dash 
number one, number zero, and that's going to save you 10% and include free delivery over on put18.com.au. And we will talk a little bit more in some of our recaps on who some of the lucky folks were that won put 18 mats and AMA tournaments this year. Before we jump into our conversation, we really encourage you to listen to part one. First, we give you a little bit of an orientation to all that is Myrtle Beach and the three major courses that are played during the Masters there. Additionally, you'll notice some new voices. The first voice you are going to hear is Andrew Edmonds from the 54 Problems podcast. He's going to start off with a question. Later on, you'll hear a deeper voice. That is Simon Brown. Both of them are from the UK, and they are pro mini golfers, and they do the 54 Problems podcast, which you should be already listening to. Simon is based in the UK, and right now, Andrew is based in the Czech Republic. We're big fans of him, and we're excited for you to jump into the conversation we had with him. So let's get going. And you can put one ready. Okay, so before we get into looking at the field as a whole, then, can we talk a little bit about what your own personal aspirations are for <laughs> this tournament? You're already laughing. Tom, you said you're a relatively newbie. This is your, your second tournament. Uh, Tom, first, what, what do you hope to, to get out of this? Well, I think my goals are very modest this year. Okay. I am hoping that I can finish in the top three nice in amateur okay <laughs> <laughs> uh i i looked at how i did last year last year i went and it's like i'm just like if you play amateur mm. you still play 12 rounds and to me i wanted to be realistic about where i'm at last year i was just like oh i'll just play normal that's what everybody else is doing and then i saw like someone like vanette who's an incredibly talented putter mm. also playing an amateur and it's like okay great uh, you know, it's not like I'm a well-accomplished mini golfer and I just really want to play the round. So I think that's my, my big goal that I had last year that I will hold for this year is to not be in the bottom five. Last year I was 49th of, uh, 69. Uh, mm-hmm. and I was happy with that. Um, I think that's what I'm named for again. Uh, if I'm not in the bottom five and I know there's a lot of people not going again this year. So there's some of the people that I would have done better than that are just, possibly not going. So I think that's just sort of managing my own personal expectations as someone who's relatively new to the competitive side of mini golf and just to make it more fun. I think if I set too high of expectations, I'm going to have less fun and that's not what I want to do and taking a whole week off of work to play mini golf. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Pat. Yep. Yeah. So my goals, I mean, now having made the money once, I mean, my goal is certainly Mm -hmm. to stay there and not drop out of it. I'd like to at least move up a place and crack top 25. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's, it's very similar to Tom. I mean, the first few years I went there, I really grinded out like, oh, I want to make the money. And I just was in the mid forties and last year and the approach I'm going to take this year is, yeah, I'm just want to go down there, be relaxed, have fun, um, I want to do decent enough because I want to put myself up against all these players because you do have a lot of the top players in the U.S. there. And so to finish in the money is is definitely an achievement, um, but I'm not going to like stress out too much to try try to get there. So I'd like, yeah, one one more spot to say I cracked the top 25 and I'd be happy this year. 
Okay, so now say you're one of the people following along from home. We've already recommended the podcast Facebook page as a great way you can get information, some videos, maybe see the scores. So you're there, you're on the Facebook page, you're looking at the scores. Who do you think are going to be the players to watch? Well, first I'll give the context of there's going to probably be anywhere between... 45 to about 80 people. I had looked at the amount of people that had played over the last number of years, and the number has really varied all over the place. I don't know if we're going to have any international folks over, but sadly, the last like three, four years, there's been less as they've moved to three courses. That being all said, I think you would be completely insane not to put Olivia Prokopova top of your list. Last year, I think on our own podcast, I was stupid enough to say Olivia is a has a newborn. It's her first year playing the Masters as a mom. I know she has the expectation of winning, but that seems like so unrealistic while also managing, you know, taking care of her kid. She is superwoman. She might be the goat of mini golf. She won the Masters last year. She won the US Open recently after having a kid. I'm putting her right at the top. I don't see okay. any reason why she doesn't win it again. She is such an impressive putter. I will never doubt her ability to win that tournament. And yeah, top of, top of the list for me. Yeah, I mean, certainly the betting favorite there. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of if if anybody follows you know the U.S. mini golf scene or some some of the folks that have come over internationally. I mean, certainly there's there's Danny and Matt McCaslin who've got yeah, you know, Danny's got four Masters wins, um, and the only person that Olivia is trailing in terms of number of Masters wins at this point, uh, Matt is the the younger brother who tends to do better in the U.S. Open, but is always at that top of the leaderboard. Um, Gary Hester, who's been on Team USA a couple times, has I think sniffed the the lead multiple times. He's usually like second, third, fourth, right there. Um, the Greggs, Greg Newport, Greg Ward, both excellent (laughs) putters, uh, Newport's won it a couple times. So he, you know, he knows what it is to close, uh, Joey Graybill, Joey Gray. I was going to say Joey Graybill and Rainey Statham. They both have, um, not only masters wins, they've won us opens. Joey just won the, the PPA national championships. So you've got a pedigree of knowing how to close those big tournaments. I mean, any of those names, if you were to put money on somebody who wasn't Olivia would probably be good bets. And then and I think somebody like Frank has a good, you know, dark horse shot. He's a great putter. Um, mm. he does well in those international tournaments. I mean, he could be right there. Same thing with Rick Baird. Um, He's another one that Mr. Perfect or one of the Mr. One of the, yeah, him and Newport, (laughs) the two Mr. Perfects who play in this tournament. Um, You know, they'd all, they'd all have good odds if you were looking at at Vegas odds for that tournament. Maybe even a map male uh, would have a good chance at winning it too. He won the U S open back in 2021. He won the masters in 2015 too. Oh, that's right. He'd won the masters too. And, you know, when I mentioned, you know, that there's a group of people that, you know, between 45 and 80, I would say in that same period of time that the people that play year after year, it's about 75% of the exact same people, which makes it challenging as a newbie going in there and having Mm -hmm. high expectations. Because even someone like Frank, who we, you know, when we had him on the podcast, he talked about 
getting involved in a competitive game. It was only a handful of years ago. Some of the people who've played in the Masters, this is the 26th year of the Masters. They've played in it, I think, every year. I'm I'm certain of it. They know those courses at such a visceral level. And everybody is out there the three days before the tournament starts playing multiple hour days on all three courses and then have those 12 rounds of tournaments all in their muscle memory. It makes it really hard to crack into that top group of players, even if you're someone really talented like Frank. But if if someone's going to do it, I could definitely see Frank being one or you know Matt who's won it. Well, and the interesting thing is it's been eight different winners in the past eight years, which we don't even, we don't see that on the U S open side. You don't see that at actually very many of the big tournaments. And it, Olivia was the last person to repeat when she won in 2012 and 2013. So the 12 rounds, the multiple courses, I mean, all of these people are great, but nobody's been really able to crack winning it again in, in almost the past decade. I think it's fascinating to hear all these big names in U.S. mini golf mentioned because if you look at the outcome of any tournament that isn't the Masters, you don't see all these names play together often. So I see a handful of them in one place, a couple in the other. One name seems to dominate you know, each event, and that's geographically makes obvious sense in the U.S. But it's almost like a king of kings, like a, a coming together of names more than just one tournament, which we don't get that in the UK. And I guess even in Czech, for instance, Andrew yeah. would experience, you know, all the big names would be at every big event. Yeah. So is that quite unusual to get all these people together for you guys? I would say actually not that unusual. I had looked at sort of who are the major competitive players and they kind of come from a only a handful of regions in the United States. There's like a big contingent from Texas, a big contingent from Indiana. And then the overwhelming majority is in sort of the coastal cities and the south southern part of the United States. If you look at the entire United States, me being in Minnesota, there were only two people, if we're not counting Texas, let's say, and counting that kind of part of the South for the purposes of this, but I would say they're further West. It was me, someone from North Dakota, and someone from California that represented literally half of the United States at the Masters. So there isn't really much representation at all of who are the good putters in the complete other side of the United States. It's just like a big unknown that frankly, even with the American Mini Golf Alliance, we're still trying to figure that out. Like competitive mini golf is really centralized around a little corner of the United States. And then there's like pockets in like the northern and midwestern parts of the country where there's competitive players. So it's it is a lot of the same characters in some ways because it's a little bit easier for some of them at least to go play in those tournaments because they're based in North and South Carolina and Tennessee where the drive there isn't as bad as from me, which I mapped it out. It's a 21 hour drive straight. (laughs) If I was to use Google maps to go from my house to Myrtle beach, which I've never done that drive. And it's not easy to get to by plane. Even there's one direct flight on a discount carrier and hopefully my club show up. But I mean, I guess it is kind of true that in those regions, you know, you don't often yeah. get to see Greg Newport go up against Rainy Statham. 
because regionally yeah. Greg will play against right Rick Baird and a lot of those names that you would recognize, but it's kind of like NFL divisions, right? The divisions play each other a lot, and then you start getting to the playoffs and stuff, and it's like, oh, all right, you know, Tom Brady's finally going to play Drew Brees because that's the way it works out. So yeah, I mean, this the U.S. Open would be the other one that we tend to see, and then the the putt putt national championships. But out of that. It is just the regional stuff and the top players in the region will play the top players in the region. But yeah, geographically. And we see it with our own stuff too, right? Like if you were to look at all the tournaments I play in the Northeast, right? You'll see all the set in the same set of names. And then the cop few of us will go down to the masters and play these folks. Yeah. And that's definitely not to diminish the people in those different regions. It's more just to talk about like, it is like a really small pocket of people that are playing at the top level in very, you know, distinct parts of the United States as of right now that are going out to the Masters. So one reason that this tournament will gather international interest, as well as being a hugely exciting tournament, is that it is the one single tournament used for the selection of the United States Wagon team. Uh, will either of you be applying for that selection process? Can you talk a little bit about... Uh, what it will look like and who are some potential people maybe that we haven't mentioned to to watch out for there? Yeah, so it's an interesting thing because up until recently, that wasn't the case for the Wagon team. So really <laughs> until, I guess it was going to be 2020 because it definitely wasn't 2019 when I went to Wagon. <laughs> um, prior to that, it was a more almost like selection committee. So results from the uh -huh. major tournaments were taken into account, but they weren't the only criteria to make the team starting well obviously we didn't have it in 2020 but um the plan had been 2020 and, and going forward they've built into the masters what bob calls the continental championship even though there's a lot of argument of whether or not it's a true continental championship based on wmf rules but we'll we'll call it the continental championship where basically you're playing a the same 12 rounds within the masters and you have to pony up some extra money to be considered for Wagam. Okay. Um, so for the most part, you know, it's that same group of people, but a lot of it, you'll actually see a lot of those folks not be part of the continental championship because they know they can't travel or, you know, just the other criteria of they're not going to play that to potentially take a spot because I know they just won't ever be able to support the team. So, you know, last year I did not play in the Continental Championship because I knew I wouldn't be able to go with the timing in Finland this year. I likely won't do it again this year for the uh, the Austria. Um, I would, you know, if it worked out for me travel-wise, I would definitely do it again because I'd like to get back on the team. But, yeah, it, essentially they just take, you know, the – the results of the Masters, those 12 rounds, and if you've kind of ponied up your your money and you make the, well, last year it was top 12, although we didn't end up sending all 12 to to Finland. Um, so I, I don't know if it's still determined what the number is going to be this year, but whatever that cutoff is for the U.S. team, then you've qualified to be part of the, the Wagam team for the Team USA. Yeah, and I, you know, again, I have very modest expectations I mean, it's $50 extra, and I don't know that I'll pay that extra mm -hmm. to play for the Continental Championship. I don't know that I would have a much of a chance at the top 12 if a bunch of people decide to pony up for it. I wouldn't have made it last year by a couple. So, 
I don't know. Probably not. Honestly, if I think if I wanted to do Wagam, I would try to get one of those extra spots on there and just go that route where you can kind of play, you know, as I don't know, representing club player. Club what player. is it? Yeah. Club player. Club player. Yeah. So I, I think I'd probably consider going over there. I don't know that I would go over and play as a serious competitor as much just for the experience. Mm-hmm. I really want to go over there just for the experience to be there to, you know, to be able to play on some of those courses and that. And I have no problem finishing near the bottom at all and knowing that my, where my game is at. So I'd consider that. But honestly, my I'm probably just going to aim realistically for this year and go over and play in the World Crazies in the UK. I just keep saying it over and over because I'm going to bring it into life. You guys are the ones that pretty much brought it to life to me to go to the red putter and play in that tournament. You're like, Tom's, Tom's going to be there. So we'll get some reports from him. It was like, I am. I had thought about it. I had thought about it. And then I was like, yeah, I'll go. And honestly, it was one of the best decisions I ever made. It was super fun and actually fared okay uh, with some other really great competitive putters and just had a good time. So uh, yeah. See you in Hastings. Thank you. Please both come to the World Crazy Golf Championship. We'll have an absolute blast. And we could do this in in person. We always record a a live episode there. We could get the chance to do this in in person. That'd be awesome. Uh, Simon, any any final questions? Yeah, I just, I got to go over the fact I find it mind-blowing that you get one chance at qualifying for, for Wagon for the US national team. I also find that I'm always honest with what, I think I find it odd that it's monetized. I find it odd that it's a championship within a championship. Um, it's not the money per se, but playing for your country should be a well-deserved privilege. Uh, I'm not, I don't know how I feel about this, but taking that aside as a spectacle to go and play 12 rounds to find out, can <laughs> I go and play for the US? The pressure that puts on the, the expectation that people are putting themselves, that must be an absolute game changer. Do you think that factors in the top player's mind? If they're about the cut for the US team, do you think that will be in the back of their heads? I don't know for the top players because the top players will probably make that pretty easily because I think you know with some of the folks, like I know Danny and Matt McCaslin generally don't put in for the Continental just because their family stuff, yeah, they would just do it. So you've kind of... You take out some of those top players, the remaining top players tend to be comfortably in the top 12 of the Continental Championship. I think where the extra pressure really is, is the middle of the pack players who now have this opportunity to move up a little bit in the Continental Mm -hmm. place and to take that where it would come into mind. And I, I mean, I know it would if I was really gunning for it. And, you know, we're always honest with our opinions here, too. I I don't like the way it's done. Um, I think there's a lot of the monetization. I think rubs me wrong too for for a lot of reasons. But I also think you miss out on a lot of potential good Team USA camaraderie and and locker room people and what you really want to do to make a team to go over there and represent the United States. I think there's other factors that could play into it if you were really thinking about it and you know and every country is going to do it differently um but also 
I think it's a factor too of the USPMGA just doesn't have a lot of tournaments under their umbrella. So they don't have a lot that they can point to and say, well, this person was consistently great our whole year and factored on that as well. So, you know, like I said, it's a relatively new thing. Um, who knows? It, it may change. But I, I do think if you're that person who's, you know, sniffing maybe the 30th spot on the Masters, but because of the way people have kind of dropped out, you know, maybe you've got a shot at that 12th spot. Yeah, I can imagine those last couple of rounds at Rumble are going to be a little more stressful than usual. Well, and to piggyback off of you, Pat, that I know maybe this might be different in the UK and some of the European countries, is the USPMGA doesn't offer any fiscal support to any of the players either. So it's completely out of pocket if you are going to represent the USA and wag them. So then on top of the $50 to put in just to be in the running, then you kind of need to have the money. And, you know, mm -hmm. I was having a conversation online with like Sevi about the difference between places in Europe and uh, the United States. And I'm like, yeah, it's a long flight for us to get over there. But even within the United States, it is. Like if you look at the distance mm -hmm. between Seattle and Myrtle Beach, you know, there's probably not a lot of direct flights. You're talking 10 hours worth of flights or, or flying time. And so... That's hard to go even to play in the Masters, but then to go over to Europe, those flights are going to cost you a good chunk of money. You're going to have to take time off of work. And it's a very like blue collar group of people that are playing mini golf in the United States where that's a significant amount of time compared to most of Europe. We do not in the United States believe in holidays. We do not believe in giving <laughs> our people vacations. We believe that everybody should kill themselves at their jobs and don't mandate vacations like a lot of other countries smartly do. So where he was talking about the McCaslin brothers, it's like, I'm either going to have a family vacation this year or I'm going to abandon them and spend two weeks playing mini golf. There's, you don't get really a choice in that, even just for one big tournament out of the country. So it, it does really make it difficult for a lot of factors for people to go over for Wagam and to represent the United States. I mean, ideally, somewhere down the road, there's a sponsor that can offset some of those financial burdens. But as of right now, I don't believe there's anything really offsetting it. There's people that sort of ask for donations. And if people give out of the kindness of their heart, they might have a couple bucks to help maybe pay for their kid or for their, their gear. And that's probably about it. That is a good point. Like representing Team USA is so much different than a lot of other countries because for me to represent Team USA and go to Sweden when I did, it was, you know, six, six and a half hours worth of flights. But then I think somebody like Wade, who came from Texas, was almost double that to represent the same country at a tournament. And it's, yeah, the, the gap in what that costs and time and effort and all of that is... I mean, it's just difficult. And that's that's the the downside of having a country the size of ours. Yeah, it definitely does add some perspective. I think even in the UK, we talk about how prohibitive international mini golf is. But set against the backdrop of what you guys have to do, it is nothing. It is. And um, so many locations that a wagon could be at, we can get flights mm -hmm. for $50 to oh you. Oh, my God. You know, so, <laughs> yeah, I mean... If, so me and Andrew live in completely different countries and play in completely different tours, but we can get between those countries for about under a hundred dollars yeah. every time. Would you say half the places I drive to for a local tournament, I pay more than fifty dollars in tolls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yes, I would imagine half of what I play in the UK tour, it would be cheaper for me to go out to the Czech tour, <laughs> play for a hotel, and a flight would be less than some of the majors here. Listen, I told you, you but don't yeah, need to pay for a hotel. Stop making excuses. You can stay at mine. <laughs> yeah, you've got that dog, you know, you know how I feel about yeah. dogs. Yeah. Anyhow. But yeah, it's, um, there's always something prohibitive when it comes to international play, but I can imagine the US, it's a whole different level. Um, would you like to see it done over the calendar? Would you like to see it done over 12 months? Do you think that's possible in the US? <laughs> that's a loaded question. <laughs> Got to slip it in, man. I mean, I think it's safe to say that what we're trying to do with helping organize the American Mini Golf Alliance is to expand the number and the variety and the locations for competitive mini golf tournaments. Like our season is going to be only nine tournaments this year, but we've represented probably twice as many states as been represented from the USPMGA calendar of courses or of tournaments. All of those tournaments are great. They're well run. We like those courses, but we just want more. And for us, living in a whole different part of the country. We know tons of regional players that are super talented, that care about mini golf a ton. And we want to give opportunities for them and ideally have events where more people are even going to the masters. If that's the case, like if there's a bunch of AMA members that want to go to the masters, we're going to encourage it. Same if they ever want to get involved with the PPA. I mean, we just want more people playing mini golf. I mean, I think in this day and age with the accessibility of information, I think you could base a decision on who should represent the United States on someone's total miniature golf package. And whether that's playing in the USPMGA events, in putt-putt events, in mm -hmm. any of the things that the AMA is doing, you know, if, if I picked a name out of the hat and, and maybe the qualification is, yes, you have to at least play the masters because then we know who you are, right? Like, but if I picked any of the people who played the Masters, I could figure out what their past year's resume was across the world of mini golf. And that's what I would like to see because, you know, a lot, and I know we joke about the PPA a lot because we're not putt putters and, and, you know, they sometimes can make themselves butts of jokes pretty easily uh, <laughs> for some of us up and comers. But there's a, a vast amount of tournaments and competitive structure there that they do all year long that's mm -hmm. not getting taken into account for mm -hmm. Team USA. And I think it should because yeah. there's players that certainly, you know, would deserve it more than just how they finished 12 rounds in early October in Myrtle Beach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, and you know, the biggest reason that none of us are putt putters is there's none near us. I think the closest one to me I mapped out was a nine, 10 hour drive. There's maybe two in the Northeastern part of the United States. There's a handful down in Texas, but I think even like the Southwest putters organization that does a bunch of tournaments and putt-putt courses, I think they use a handful of tournaments where they're not on putt-putt courses because they're, they're running out of options. Putt-putt has diminishing number of courses that exist in a very, very, very small part of the United States which is too bad. I'd love to have a putt-putt course in my backyard, and I'm 
fortunate to have played a handful that I have already, but it took a number of travels in order to get a few in. Can we sneak in a question to you guys? Yeah, go on. Yeah, oh, yeah. of course you can. I know where this is going. Go there for it, go. Tom. You're the one who suggested this. So based on all of this conversation about the Masters, are you are either of you considering coming over to the Masters? If yes, why? And if no, why? And not necessarily for this year, because obviously not it's two months away, for this year. in the future. <laughs> but let's assume, because I know there's rumors that it might be less courses in the future potentially. Let's assume it's just the current format, three different courses over three days. Are you going to go ever? Simon, you start. It appeals to me as a mini golf tourist. So from the point of view of loving the game and having an interest in what other people do and seeing how things operate in the US, it would be in my top five, maybe to visit the planet. From the perspective of competition and feeling it's a level playing field and something I could get involved with and compete at my best, I don't think it is for me. I think being split over three courses, I think with having so many local experts in a way, even if they're not local, they go every single time. They have maybe decades of experience almost. Yeah, it would be prohibitive for me to look at it in the way I maybe look at City Golf in Sweden and think I could go and give that my best goal. So it's on the list, but that'll be a mini golf holiday. That'll be a fun list. So yeah, hopefully I get to come out and enjoy it one day. But when I'm in super competitive mode, it's not making that list. No, not for me. But if it was next to me, if it was in the UK, I'm sure it would be different. Yeah, okay. So I'll <laughs> say, you know, one one of the things that I love about doing the 54 Problems podcast is making connections and both sort of meeting new people, people I wouldn't have spoken to otherwise, like uh, Pat, Tom, like yourselves, uh, and also connecting connecting other people that might not have spoken to each other as well and getting people chatting in comments and, and things like that. So I would absolutely love to go just to meet uh, some of the new friends that I've made and make those, make those connections, chat about mini golf like we've been doing now. Uh, so I would absolutely love to go. I've only really just started looking at international tournaments. So it's only this year that I started playing a lot of international tournaments, uh, City Golf and the World Crazy Golf Championship for me is, a, is an international tournament because I'm based in the, in the Czech Republic. So over the next couple of years, I'll continue to look at uh, international tournaments and yeah it'll be it'll be one of the ones that i'm that i'm looking at and if i do manage to get it on the list you two will be the first to know if you go i'll go because <laughs> as of right now i'm feeling like this masters i'm going to be testing honestly up against the world crazies and hoping to go next year okay. and if and you know do i want to go to hastings or Myrtle Beach going forward, or to go to other cities. I'll be honest, Myrtle Beach, having been there a few times, having played a lot of the mini golf courses, I don't know that I need to go back there that many more times as a city. The tournament's fun, the camaraderie's fun, but I'm kind of more compelled to go to other countries at this point, having played 
400 some mini golf courses, mostly in the US, I'm far more compelled in going to the UK. Yeah, I think the the ideal situation for me and what we're kind of what both Simon and I are pushing for is choosing one tournament and we have selected the World Crazy Golf Championship and trying to bring as many uh, international players there as possible. And I know kind of saying that you could criticise that and go, well, that's easy for you to say it's just $100 for you to get there versus the cost of America. So I, I know saying that it's, uh, you know, you could look at that and go, well, that's easy for you to pick a tournament that's so close to home. But really, I think that's that would be the ideal thing is we pick one place and we all congregate there. And the World Crazy Golf Championship, just because it's it's golf ball only and it's always a good laugh, that's the, the one we've sort of settled on. Well, and it's established itself as a very international tournament. I mean, that's one of the yep. things the Masters, while we've had international players, hasn't. It is, I mean, we've had international winners. I mean, Hans Olsen's won it a couple of years, but it tends to be a U.S. focused one where we're trying to Minus pull Olivia. people. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Olivia's in the U.S. now. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, pull people there, whereas the crazies just feels like, it's it's a lot more interesting for people to be like, yes, I want to go play. And in part, there's great marketing. Everybody talks it up. People like you do excellent podcasts around it. Um, but I'm kind of in the same way. Like one of the reasons I do continue to go because I do to the masters is it is more touristy for me. My family does come with mm -hmm. me. So it is a vacation for us. I hang out in the beach a little bit. I take my kids mini golfing at night. Tom's been on some of those trips. Uh, but it would be a way to, you know, if they don't, want to do that anymore would i rather do that than either go internationally or mm -hmm. play like i love playing the us open for because of the most part that does travel around the united states so i get to see mm -hmm. different courses different cities different owners so yeah it'd be interesting but yeah i mean as we talk to like well if international players are coming then yeah i want to go to the masters because i want to see everybody that i don't get a chance to see and yeah. show off for better or for worse a little bit of our hometown <laughs> Yeah, Broad no, that, town. <laughs> that, that, that is 100% for certain. And the thing you have to risk about us going to the world crazies is, yeah. is that we probably have very little chance of winning. And because we're from the, we're a little less like conservative than folks from the Southern part of the United States that Vanette talked about in a previous podcast. They're all like a little quieter. I think yeah. maybe we're even a little bit more mischievous. So maybe we're like, <laughs> actively like yelling things out at the wrong time to mess with like the top UK players. So we don't get invited back. I mean, I mean, we got the US UK 250 history. years, but I mean, I do come from the part of the country that kicked the UK <laughs> out, out and uh, have never let them forget it. So, you know, traveling to England's always an interesting experience. We'll, we'll just put that in your head and other people's heads that it's like, be careful what you wish for, because even if we don't do anything, we're already, like trying to win the mental game knowing that we have no chance at winning i think when you meet some of the mini golf characters we have in the uk you'll see how distracting a tournament can be at hastings as it is i think we already know that yeah I, I, i've enjoyed i did well i wasn't at hastings i got to visit one of the british masters and i love you you guys are great you're you're yeah. very much our people yes 100 percent. awesome well pat Tom, it's been so good talking to you both. We've tried to make it work for such a long time. It absolutely lived up to all of my expectations. I had a huge 
blast talking to you both. Thank you so much for your time. And we'll have to talk again soon. We'll have yes. to we'll have to figure it out soon because I'm sure we've got so much to talk about. So the only thing left to say is goodbye from Pat. Goodbye. Goodbye from Tom. Goodbye, Tom. <laughs> Good, goodbye from Simon. Goodbye. Good night. And goodbye from me. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Goodbye. Thanks again to Simon and Andrew for the amazing conversation. It took us a little bit to coordinate the four different time zones, but to get an opportunity to talk mini golf with mini golf nerds, we find a way and we did. So hope you enjoyed that. Hope you listen to 54 Problems. Got lots more competitive mini golf coming your way. I love a good crossover episode. And if you're not subscribed to them, go subscribe to them as well so that you can listen to all of their wonderful insights. And uh, we will guarantee another crossover episode in the future with them. And hopefully one of these days we will all be in the same place putting. And who knows what the universe will throw at us then. And now we're on to big thoughts, mini golf. As I mentioned earlier, we'll talk more about the results of our Matterhorn tournament in our next episode, but I did want to take some time to call out how it went from an administrative standpoint. A big shout out to my fellow Penguin, Mandy Ranslow, who gave up competing in the tournament to help us administer it, get all the scores in, do our repairings, get our playoffs started, all of our prizes lined up. And on top of that, she was taking pictures and chatting with everyone about the AMA. We got a lot of positive feedback about how well the tournament was run, how great the course was, and it really just goes to show that when you love something, you put in the effort, and you focus on the experience of your players, that you can create something memorable, and that's something that people are excited and clamoring to come back to. And with that, we are excited to turn our attention to our seventh edition of that tournament in 2023, which I'm sure we'll cover here on the podcast. And with that... We're at the 19th hole, so until next time, putt one ready. We made it. It's a good thing I blocked off extra time in my calendar today. (laughs) (laughs) So what crossover is this? Wait, I'm not going to get into this. I'm just going to say it's happy days when Mork from Mork came, and we're settled. (laughs) Maybe not. Cut that whole part.